The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's www.adworks.com slash billrisser. As much as I'm against automating, I am for simplifying a process. So if I can work with an agent who is doing social advertising, who may not necessarily be really comfortable with Facebook, but they see the, the upside in doing it, I'm trying to work on a solution where I could possibly kind of bring that lead offline in a way that's easier for them to communicate. So if this chat box can kind of answer a few initial questions and get the automated um, process going or warm up that lead um, and then take it offline to the agent through a text message or an email. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 101. It's been two years since the first episode with Jay Thompson. And I can't thank you enough for your continued support of the show. It's your listening and sharing that helps our downloads and keeps my little project going. So thanks again for all of your help and support. I'm very excited for today's guest. It's Lindsay Listansky. She is the Senior Manager of Media Engagement for Coldwell Banker. And not an individual branch, but for the entire brand. And I'm really excited to talk to her about what they're doing there, how she got involved there, uh, and kind of what they're doing with video. It's just all kinds of fun stuff. So, Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. This is such an honor, Bill. I'm so excited to do this with you. Thank you so much. Lindsay, I'd like to start at the beginning. First of all, I believe you're a native of the Garden State, right? I am. I am a Jersey girl, born and bred. I have lived in the same town with the exception of my four years in college. I've lived in Livingston, New Jersey my entire life, so I am a proud Jersey girl. So tell me, where's Livingston, New Jersey, for those of us that are not East Coasters? Uh, Livingston, New Jersey is about 45 minutes out of Manhattan. It's North Jersey, and it's a lot of people who are shoppers, I'll say, do you know where the Short Hills Mall is? And if you're a serious shopper, you'll know where that is, and you'll know where my town is. <laughs> What's the biggest misconception about New Jersey? So first of all, New Jersey is a gem. Um, in fact, when I was dating my husband in college, when we started to get serious, my biggest deal breaker was if we continue down this road, you have to come to New Jersey because I'm not going to live in Pennsylvania. I'm bringing you back home to New Jersey. So needless to say, you know, we ended up getting married and he moved. But I think the biggest misconception is that people only see one side of New Jersey. So they either see the beach or being super suburban or maybe urban and never all of those things, but it's so incredibly diverse and beautiful. I love everything about New Jersey. So where I live in Livingston, I just, I love my location because 45 minutes in any direction is going to bring me to a totally different place. So 45 minutes south, I'm going down the shore. That's the beach for people not from Jersey, down the shore. 45 minutes to the east, I'm in New York City or Hoboken in Jersey City. I'm driving west. Um, I could go to a farm so we can go pumpkin picking with my son and beautiful farmland. So it's just a really cool place with rich culture, um, amazing, amazing schools and beauty. And, you know, I'm a foodie, so I can't, you know, talk about New Jersey with talking about our, our fresh produce and 
of course, our pizza and bagels are second to none and put them up against anyone in the world. <laughs> I remember my first trip there. We never left the parkway or the turnpikes, whatever you call them. And I think, you know, it kind of clouded my kind of interpretation, my vision of what New Jersey was. Yeah, you know, the running joke is what, you know, what exit are you off the parkway? And and that's what a lot of people see. So they'll land in like Newark at the airport or they'll be on a highway. And, and that's just so not representative of, of our entire state. You know, once you start to stray away from those areas, you really get the culture and the land and it's just a beautiful place to live. I'm, I'm really proud to live here and be part of the community that I'm in. That's great. You did leave New Jersey for a few years across the state line into Pennsylvania where you attended university. Let's talk about that experience. And was real estate even kind of part of your thought process as you headed off to school? So I went about two hours away. I went to a little private school called Marywood University in Scranton. And like I said, that's where I met my husband. And I went to school for marketing. Like a lot of people, I really wasn't sure where marketing was going to take me, but I knew that it was very broad and that I could pursue uh, public relations or advertising. It was really a place that could take me in a lot of directions. So I wouldn't say that real estate was top of mind with that marketing degree. But what a lot of people don't know about me is I've, I've really been in real estate my entire life, to be honest. So my father's been with Cobalt Banker for 25 years, mostly as a branch vice president. My mom's with the company. So growing up, I spent a ton of time in his office. They called me the assistant manager or on listing appointments, on caravans. So I think that in the back of my mind, it was always something that I could pursue if the right opportunity came up. Um, But I wouldn't say, you know, my freshman year, I went in saying I'm going to be in real estate. You knew about the hours that your parents worked? or And I loved it, though. I, you know, my dad would pick me up after school and I would sit in his office and do homework. And then once homework was done, it really was like my job. I would I would sit in on meetings with him and my first real side business, I guess, growing up was stuffing envelopes for agents for 10 cents an envelope so that they could, you know, send out uh, news and information to their farm. So I was I was all in at a really early age and I loved it. I loved everything about it. After you graduated, what was your first job in marketing? I worked (laughs) at a toilet paper company. (laughs) All right. So there's a, yes, yes. So good lesson to anyone graduating school. I I didn't want to take the interview. I was like, mom, no way. I'm not doing this. But I went and it ended up being really interesting. So it was a company called Mark Cal Manufacturing. And it was a company uh, in New Jersey that makes recycled paper goods. So they collect paper from all over the state and they turn it into bath tissue, napkins, towels. And when I joined, it was in a, a entry-level marketing position where I was going to help them, you know, just odds and ends marketing, customer service. And as I was getting to know the business, I asked, you know, do you do social media? And they said no. And I kind of talked to them about, well, you know, you do a lot of couponing and, and CPG. That's important, obviously, to, you know, get brand awareness and people to test the project. And I, I was able to start social media there for them. and. Within a year or two, I had 40,000 people interested in their paper products. And that was a stepping stone into Cobalt Banker because I took a brand that really had no business having a social media uh, following like it had. And if I, I figured if I could do that with toilet paper and, and napkins, I could probably do that with real estate. Everyone needs towels and everyone needs a home, right? So right. It, was, it was definitely an interesting job. And before then, I had an interest in internet marketing. So I had done internships in copywriting and SEO and blogging. So it was just an interesting path from where I was in college to that company to Coldwell. 
tell us about the actual interview process and, and getting hired by Coldwell Banker. Oh my goodness, this interview process, Bill, this was like, you would have thought I was going to be the president of the United States. This was a serious interview process. So it was six rounds. I met with a ton of people. So, you know, I met with HR and told them about my passion for, for social media and how I had a tie-in with real estate. I never spoke about my dad because I really believed that, you know, I wanted to get into this company on my own. I didn't want to, you know, make mention of my family involvement. So that came up later on. They're like, why did you not mention your parents? And I was like, oh, you know, I, I wanted to see if I could do this on my own. So I met with um, our PR team, our brand engagement team, um, a bunch of our different agency people. And then my final interview was actually with um, our now chief operating officer, uh, Mike Fisher. And he said, you know, you're, you've are you made it this far. If you can wow me, you're in. And needless to say, we hit it off. Actually, as soon as he found out I was a Jersey girl, he was excited because he's all in for Jersey. He's a Jersey Shore guy. And uh, the interview process was really interesting. So they were talking about, um, you know, what blogs do you read? I remember David Marine, who's our senior vice president of marketing now, was actually my hardest interview. And it was a super laid back conversation. It was really friendly, you know, just talking about Facebook and Twitter. And I just remember being so nervous that my whole neck started to break out in like red hives. I just, I think in that moment, I knew how bad it I wanted it. I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous with this guy. He's talking about blogs. It's not a hard interview question, but it was a really nice, it was a nice conversation. It was a great team. And um, I was so out of my mind excited when they offered me the job. It was not only in real estate, but the fact that it was Coldwell Banker and a, a company that I grew up loving and always being part of, it was just, it really was a dream come true. And um, the past six years have just been phenomenal. I know you're a millennial, and but I don't know if you're okay with that tag. So let's talk about that for a second and, and talk about, you know, growing up really in, in as this technology, you know, really came online and we'll call it exploded in the world of marketing. And how that all plays in with you know how what you do at Coldwell Banker. I honestly could spend hours on this. I'm totally fine with being tagged as a millennial. I am a millennial, um, and actually, I was recently in the past few years selected by Realogy, our parent company's senior leadership, to run a company-wide employee resource group. Um, I call them Next Gen, and it's completely focused on attracting and retaining top millennial talent and really empowering them within the company across all of our brands. So. I, I absolutely love being a millennial. I think there's a lot of positives to it. What I'm not okay with is that negative stereotype, right? So people can't seem to get past uh, seeing us as these avocado toast eating, job jumping, living in our parents' basement, trophy expecting, just tech obsessed group of kids, right? That's how the world sees us. And there's just so much more. And, you know, I realize stereotypes don't come about for any, for no reason, right? There's always a reason for a stereotype. So some of that's true, right? So I admit I have an obsession with my phone and hey, I happen to love avocado toast. Who doesn't? But, you know, I bought my first house at 25. I've been with the same company for six years and I'd way rather speak to someone in person than over text and email. I think that we as a world get obsessed with these stereotypes and um, every generation is going to kind of look down on the one after them and say, well, we did it better or here's what we did differently. But I think that it's important to embrace this group of people. You know, marketers want our want our attention and our money, and we're the next biggest group of people who are going to jump into home ownership. So it's really important to uh, work with us and figure out, you know, how we think, how we work, and we have a lot to offer. Actually, at Realogy, we're really focused on how 
the next group of buyers, which are millennials, are really struggling to get into home ownership because of student debt. So something that we're working on right here in our office is figuring out if this is a perk that we can offer our employees. So can we help pay down their student debt so that we can help them to buy their first home? And we think that if we start here, then that's just one step into helping this group um, become homeowners. And on my team, I'm really lucky. A lot of the people on my team are millennials, and I can say they're some of the most motivated, just genius, genuinely good people I've ever met. So to answer your question, I'm a proud millennial. I hate the stereotypes, but again, I know that some of it's true, some of it's not. But I personally have have really made a conscious effort to make it a positive word because I think it should be one. And then, you know, to touch on your question about technology, this was a big part of my upbringing, right? So we're the first digital natives. And I think that's one of the things that makes millennials so great. And I think we happen to be, most of us, very social people. So funny story, I'm an only child growing up. My mom said that when I would get to a playground and my coworkers noticed, I've told them, I would announce myself and say, kids, I'm here because I was so excited to talk to other kids. And then fast forward, eighth grade, I was, you know, labeled the class social butterfly. And then in high school, um, my parents at one point thought I was being like really antisocial. And my mom's like, you know, you're in your room all day. What are you doing in there? Like, get out and play with your friends or talk to your friends. And I was like, mom, come in my room. Look at my laptop. Okay. See all these boxes flashing. I'm like, these are like 10 conversations going on at once. So we grew up in this this world, we were we were multitasking, talking to people not only in our schools but in our towns and in our states, but even across the world. And that first initial AOL chat box, that was like my life. That was my lifeblood of communicating back in the day. And then fast forward to when we got in in high school and college with MySpace and Facebook. I remember sitting in my internship in uh, 2000. I think it was like 2007. And I said to the head of the company, you sell, you sell sports products. Have you ever thought of using Facebook to, as a platform and as a megaphone for your, your brand? And he's like, well, I don't get it. Like, it's a bunch of college kids. So I said, give me a chance. Let me build a Facebook page. And this was before Facebook had business pages. It was you were still a friend. So I created a friend page for this company. And that was kind of like my first shot at managing social media for a company. And I went back to school so excited to talk to my professors and say, like, this is something that is coming, and I, I'm not really sure why it's not being taught. Because at that point, social media was not a word that was really being used in the classroom, and I felt like that was such a myth. So I remember having my exit interview as a senior saying, like, you have to build this into your curriculum. This is coming, and if you can teach this to your students, it's going to give them a huge advantage in business as they enter the workforce. You were like the last marketing class <laughs> that didn't have this as part of the Yeah. Class. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was like, I don't get it. Like why this is such a this is such an easy transition, right? Like these kids grew up on blogs and chatting and, and they're no one's better at Facebook than them because they were the first ones that could even use it, right? So when it started you had to have a college ID to even have access to the platform. So I was like, We're we're at such an advantage, but we're at such a disadvantage when it comes to curriculum because we don't have someone that can that can teach us. So I would love to go back to school now and sit in a social media marketing class because I know they exist now and kind of see how it's being taught. Because even I think professors now, probably a lot of them didn't grow up with it or don't have the real world experience that this, you know, this new generation has of having that technical and actual like company application of it. So it's really interesting to me. Let's stay back in the past for a second. What was the hot topic when you started with Cobalt Banker in 2011? Yeah, so I think coming in, it was 
Facebook today was Facebook then. So when I started, we had about 17,000 people on our Facebook page and it was all used for communication. So we were using it as a supplement for our internal communications and they were really proud of what they created. Um, it was a great way to reach our network with important updates and things like that. So when I came in, I said we should definitely continue with Facebook, but I think there's a consumer play here. So why don't we transition our Facebook page to a consumer page and try to build up a private group of Cobalt Banker agents so that we can still talk to them, but we can really open up that world of communicating to consumers because we know that there's there's a lasting communication when someone's not buying a home with their real estate company, right? So every seven years, they pop Cobalt Banker or whatever brand you're using is going to pop into a consumer's head because they're going to buy or sell. But in that in-between, I wanted to see that constant top-of-mind awareness voice. So that was really my biggest focus. And I would say from there, it was um, really focused on creating great content. So I was very fortunate that I stepped into my role with David Marine before me, who really laid a, a foundation with our Blue Matter blog. So blogging was you know, really getting big when I stepped in in 2011. And he had created the Blue Matter blog, where it was him and one other person you know, doing their best to get content up and running. So I would say that was my other really big focus was how could I help to create not only buying and selling content, but that lifestyle content where people were having a reason to come back and talk to the brand and get excited to engage with a real estate company. Cobalt Banker is over 100 years old. It's got 80,000 plus realtors worldwide. It's a massive brand. How did you wrap your arms around that just getting started, you know, at a very young age for such a big responsibility? And did you experience any pushback with leadership on some of the things you wanted to try? Two things. One, my first day driving home from work, I called my husband in a panic and I'm, I said, point blank, I am in over my head. I'm like, this job, I don't know if I could do this. This is, this is major. This is a national brand and they're giving me the keys to their voice online. And it was scary. It was really scary. But to your point, your question, I never got pushback from senior leadership. I have been so incredibly fortunate to work in this brand where they have they have put so much trust in me and they've always really gave me a seat, a seat at the table from day one and, and valued my opinion that I, I know that most people in my position would say, yeah, you know what, I fought to get in certain meetings or I was kind of the last to be thought about in campaign planning, but I didn't have that here. And that's one of the things that I love about this brand is we're so open to new ideas and directions, no matter where they're coming from within our organization, whether it's from the, the top or to the bottom. I, I was so lucky. You know, anytime I said, we're going to expand and now we're going to do Pinterest and now we're going to do um, Instagram. As long as I had a solid business case for doing those things, they said, go for it. And I think that that's one of the reasons that Global Banker has become such a powerhouse in social media is because we're willing to test and to learn. And if we fail, kind of to face this point, fail, fail hard, fail fast, and just regroup. I got really lucky. Um, and I think the way that I took this on with our network of 80,000 agents was using what I learned growing up. So I think the thing that I had to prove to these people when I started was I'm not just some 20-year-old kid out of college who knows how to use Facebook for myself. I really understood the application of if you use Facebook, it should drive your business in it's driving brand awareness or it's getting you a lead. Or if I was talking to managers, this is going to get you a recruit and this is how you're going to do it. And it's a really innovative, efficient, cost-effective way to do it. So that's really how I positioned myself. And 
to this day, if I'm doing something on social or in media, as long as I can tie it back to a business result and that dollar is getting me something that drives back to my agents, my managers, or the company, then it's, it's really fair game for any ideas that I have or my team has. I believe that Cobalt Banker really embraced video um, a lot earlier than other brands. And you've really taken that to another place. And, and I want to get your take on that and, and how important that is to the brand, as well as, you know, kind of getting that information down to the individual agent. Sure. So again, uh, this is a hat tip to David Marine and uh, actually Gustavo Gonzalez, who's on my team, who is our video. Um, he's just amazing. He's incredible. So in 2009, they were the first real estate company to partner with YouTube. So this was kind of at a turning point in real estate where marketing funds weren't what they were a few years ago. And they were saying, okay, if, if we don't do TV advertising, what is a great way to still get our message out in a really effective and innovative way? And they said, let's, let's go all in on video. I think this is a trend that's coming. And, you know, we did that partnership with YouTube and it grew really, really fast. And we've used that now to really differentiate ourselves. So our YouTube channel just, I mean, just this year from January to June had 50 million views, which is a number that to me sounds just like absolutely unbelievable. So we use video for pretty much everything. We use it for um, internal communications. We use it to drive leads to listings. We do a home of the week series every week where we go somewhere in the world and do a full social media blitz where we do a video with a social advertising campaign Tori Kessinger on our team just teamed up with Alexa. So now we've tied in the Alexa voice skill to our home of the week series. So video basically starts everything. And then from there, we figure out where else in media we can go with that, whether it's a blog post or social advertising campaign. We think that it's really important to use video to communicate to our network. So you'll see you know, our, our CEO, Charlie Young, jump on a video just to give a quick message about our Gem Blue event or what's going on. But We've embraced video 100%, and it's, it's paid off in, in any positive way that you could imagine. Is it uh, difficult to get the agents to buy into that same concept on their, on their level? If you asked me that six years ago, I would say, yeah, it's really, really hard. But I, I think that there's been a huge leap into this world. I'm not going to say that it's something that everyone's comfortable with, but we're growing. I think we still have a lot of work to do, but we have some agents that are just simply incredible on video. So we have, I'm sure you're familiar with Jessica Edwards. She's our queen of video and she is kind of the, the poster child for how you can use it to drive your business. And now we have this whole new kind of class of school of thought coming in with um, 360 videos and just using things like Matterport and integrating that into videos. I just think that we've come a really far away. Of course, we still have a lot of work to do. I do feel like our agents um, look to us for, you know, best practices and help and they, they trust us and they, we say, give it a try. They're very willing. So at one point we had a great partnership with Videolicious and I would say that got a lot of our agents to feel more comfortable because it was video with voiceover. So I think that a, a hangup that a lot of people have, and I have it with myself is, they freak out when they hear their voice or they see themselves. They're like, oh man, I don't like the way I look on camera or I don't like the way I sound. And I'll never forget one of my, one of my old managers here was like, Lindsay, you need to get over that. He's like, when you speak to people, do they run away? Cause you know, they think you're ugly or they hate the sound of your voice. I'm like, well, no. He's like, well then get over it. He's like, just put yourself out there. And I think having that like 
don't take yourself too seriously. Give it a shot um, mentality that we've taken at the home office has really translated out in the field. And when we, you know, loosen people up and get them excited and, and just say, just go for it and see what happens. They're, they're giving it a chance and seeing really great things happen to their business. So the people that have adopted it are seeing great results. The people that haven't, it's up to them. It's, if it doesn't work for your business, it doesn't work. But I do think that the people who have tried it are seeing success. Yeah. And they're uh, still in the minority, right? They're right. definitely not in the majority. That's for right. sure. Lindsay, I can't talk to you about video without asking you about that wonderful reveal you did with your uh, mom and dad. Can you talk about that? Oh my goodness. And I, you know, I was just talking about this with my husband last night. I said, uh, you know, our generation is like the first generation that documents everything. So like, I feel like I could probably go back to my camera roll and see a picture of me or my family pretty much every day of this year and be like, yeah, that's what we did that day. So anyway, so my husband and I found out we were expecting our child and we said, how are we going to tell my parents? Because, you know, that's a big thing. Back to millennials, it's all about how are we going to tell people and make it a big deal? So we said, we're going to go to their house. We're going to bring in a dessert box and open it. And inside there's going to be frames that say you're getting promoted to grandmother and grandfather. So we brought it in and I said, Joe, you have to, my husband's name is Joe. You have to record this. My mom's going to freak out. I know her. So sure enough, she opens it. And I think she says, oh, my God, I think someone counted 17 times and ran around our kitchen crying and carrying on. And just it was like the most beautiful moment. And it's something that I'm so glad that we captured because I really will treasure it forever. And I can't wait for my son to watch it one day and say, this was what grandma did when he found, you know, she found out you were coming. The video was great. I'll, I'll definitely share a link with you and for anyone who wants to see it. And I, you know, I showed it to a lot of friends and they thought it was so funny. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to submit this to America's Funniest Home Videos. Like, we'll see what happens. Who knows? The funny pregnancy announcement. So a few months later, I got a call from their producer saying they wanted to use it on the show. And um, it ended up being on the show. And, and now it has like millions of views, which is so funny because, you know, my mom's like, I would have worn something nicer. I had my hair in a baseball hat and a tank top on, but I think the reason people love it is because it was just such authentic joy that, you know, it's, you can only imagine from a first time grandmother and, and grandfather from my dad. So it was a it was a great moment, something I cannot wait to show Joseph when he's older, my son. That's great. Uh, we'll definitely put the link in the uh, in the show notes so that people can watch that. It's uh, I've, I've seen it quite <laughs> I'm a sure few my mom will be so. very excited. I know you're traveling quite a bit, speaking engagements, training opportunities. In fact, I know you're speaking at Inman Connect in San Francisco this summer on the big stage. Congratulations there. But what is your your hottest topic that you're talking about today? Sure. So my go-to topic, and it depends, obviously, if I'm speaking to an agent or a manager, but I'm really focused on using social media, really specifically Facebook advertising and Instagram advertising to drive leads. So we at Coldwell Banker, I think you're probably familiar with our CBX app. Mm -hmm. So it's this homegrown app that we've created that really does a few things. But in a nutshell, it'll tell you how to price a home. It'll tell you who's going to likely buy that home based on a demographic algorithm. And then it'll tell you your top three theater markets based on uh, geography. So right now, we're using CBX, all that data that we get for from that app, and we marry it with what Facebook has. And we say, okay, use both of these things and really differentiate yourself by the way you do online marketing. So we've created this huge social media push on Facebook and Instagram to use this data to drive leads. And we're just seeing like incredible success with the people who are doing it. So I actually just did an ad with my mom where we spent, I think we spent like $100 
we had over 10,000 um, impressions, 5,000 clicks, and then like an additional 500 link clicks to the actual listing. So the cost per click and the cost per lead is like unbelievably affordable. And it's something that we're rolling out to our entire company and, and something we're really focused on training our staff on. Um, and then we're doing kind of the same thing on the other side, not with CBX, but with recruiting. We're really focused on teaching our managers how to use Facebook for recruiting. So we're doing some really interesting tests. I had the chance to go out to San Francisco a few weeks ago um, and actually visit Facebook, which was like one of the biggest bucket list items I think I have since I started at Coldwell Banker. I'm like, oh my goodness, if I could ever go to the Facebook campus, I feel like that would just be incredible. So we went to really speak to their team about how to do Facebook advertising and, and Instagram advertising because at Coldwell Banker, we're seeing the cost per lead, the click-throughs, everything is way more efficient than traditional online market, marketing like search and things like that. So that's really my biggest focus right now. And the results that we're seeing are, are pretty incredible. I have a question for you about that follow-up or the follow-through. When I talk to agents and they say they want to you know, play with Facebook advertising and go down that path, I find that they're not quite prepared for the hard work that's to follow, the actual, you know, finding that person that's raising their hand saying, hey, talk to me. I'm someone who's interested in what you have. Um, they tend to drop the ball there. You know, how do you handle that? No, you're 100% right. And it's still a problem. And it's something that is, is very challenging to me. I have found that anytime I talk about social media, you know, I'll give a presentation and, and someone will say, this is all great. How how can I hire someone like you to do it for me? Or how can I automate this? And I think that is the most dangerous part of, of doing this. So you're spending all this money to do Facebook ads, you're getting these leads, and then someone reaches out and, and that lead is sitting in your inbox or you're not answering the call or you're not answering the text. Like It's definitely a huge problem and, and something that you're 100% right about. It's going to be probably a challenge for a very long time for me to work through. Something that we have started to explore is Facebook chatbots. So as much as I'm against automating, I am for simplifying a process. So if I can work with an agent who is doing social advertising, who may not necessarily be really comfortable with Facebook, but they see the, the upside in doing it, I'm trying to work on a solution where I could possibly kind of bring that lead offline in a way that's easier for them to communicate. So if this chat box can kind of answer a few initial questions and get the automated um, process going or warm up that lead and then take it offline to the agent through a text message or an email or um, have them schedule an appointment through that chatbot. I'm working on that right now because it is a huge issue with this strategy. Well, you mentioned you're going to Inman. I'm sure that will be one of the major topics is AI and bots. Oh, sure. and, oh my gosh, there'll be so much that you'll bring back from there. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, I, I'm just starting to kind of do research into companies who are doing it really well. And it's really cool what these bots can do. Like, you know, you, you play with speaking to them and you're like, wow, you're really smart. Like, this is, it's so amazing how quickly this new trend is coming. And I think this is going to be one that we're going to be really focused on in the upcoming year, for sure, on a national basis, but also how can we make this work for our agents and our managers? Tell us about the importance of Inman Connect in your career, the relationships you've built there, the networks you've created. How important has that been? Yeah, Inman, I have to say, was one of the, the best things that I could have done for myself when I started in real estate was going to that first Inman conference. You know, Coldwell Banker is great. We have our, our Generation Blue experience, which really propelled me into like the Coldwell Banker world. But 
outside of Cobalt Banker, I had no way of really getting my name out there or networking with people aside from, you know, the occasional Twitter hello or, or mention. But when I went to Inman, it was like, these are my people. You know, these are people who are really into, you know, thinking outside of the box and just, you know, never stop learning. And I loved it. I really, from the second I walked in, I was just, and I was in awe of what was being talked about and the people that were there and some of the nicest, most generous people with their time and really helping me to understand, you know, what was going on in the world of real estate as I was entering it. I, I really think that everyone that gets into real estate should give this conference a try and to go. And I've had the opportunity to be an Inman ambassador where I was on their social team. And that was just a wonderful experience as well. So I met so many people who have become my dear, dear friends and who have become mentors and even cheerleaders for my success from other brands. And that's, to me, that's the beauty of going to Inman. It's really, um, as much as we're all from different brands, we're all there to learn and to better the industry and to make home ownership a good experience for our clients. I think that it's just, it's a really wonderful place to be. Relationships are critical for you and in your success. Talk about that same sort of relationship building in the world of the realtor. Oh my gosh, relationships are your lifeblood. They're everything. And the thing that I've, I've learned very early on is you never know where a conversation is going to lead you. And that's why I think being generous with your time is the best thing that you can do for yourself. And I think going into every conversation fully committed and being willing to help in any way that you can to a fellow realtor or someone from another real estate brand, it's always going to pay back, right? So you never know who that person knows or you know, when you're going to need them. And I just think that relationships, are, they make and break anyone in this industry and they're everything. And I think that that's why um, social media has become such a major part of this industry because it's given people the most efficient tool for communicating to people from not only their, their network and their, their book of business, but from really around the world. And that's, it's become a phenomenon to me to see, you know, international referrals being placed to people you've never even met in real life because of the relationships that you've built online. Like that's, that's amazing to me. Relationships are absolutely the most important thing in our world. Lindsay, we've come to the time in the interview where I want to ask you the same final question I've asked every guest on the show. And that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question, Bill. I'm going to give you the, the brand answer because I'm from a brand and I can't help myself. But I really believe that this is the best thing that a new agent can do is is learn what resources your brand has. I don't care what brand you're with. Really, it's something that everyone um, knows that they should do, but not necessarily something that everyone gives themselves the time to do. Learn what your brand has to offer from classes to networking to training. Just really give yourself the gift of learning what they can do for you because you're going in as an entrepreneur and you can't do everything, right? So lay a really good foundation with your brand and make sure that they're helping you every step of the way so that they're making your job easier for you. I think that's the best advice that I can give someone. Lindsay, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, I would say anywhere on social media. I'm, I'm all over social. So if you want to hook up on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, it's, as long as you don't mind me oversharing pictures of my son, my family, and my cat. I'm open to anywhere. So, and my email address is ll at cobaltbanker.com. So if anyone wants to email me, they can absolutely feel free. 
Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing your story today on the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Uh, I can't thank you enough, and, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of 2017. Yes, thank you so much. This was great. I really appreciate it. This was so much fun.